Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Arganissima. Welcome back to the iHealth channel, iHealth Radio, new show, new guest, new day. And uh, in previous uh, shows, we've had different guests and we've talked about mental health, uh, physical health, and a lot of different things. But we focus in general about adult health and uh, just things that are happening, how we can reinforce folks today and get them through their daily lives. But we have not really touched much on children. And uh, anyone out there um, knows and, and either they have kids, they know someone has kids, they have nephews, nieces, and things like that, or we can interact with kids in our daily lives in, in everywhere we go. And so uh, mental health doesn't only affect the seniors and the adults and, and, and everybody else, it affects kids primarily, and we see them, you know, and sometimes we wonder, like, well, what's wrong with these kids? What's going on? And even our kids, we need to know how to potentially handle some of the stuff and what drives some of the emotions and anxiety and all these things that we might notice in, in children. Sometimes we even think like, what's going on with, with this generation? <laughs> I've heard that line before. So, so today we're probably going to bust some of these myths and maybe get some clarity on things. And, and, and for parents, you know, maybe some of the advice and guidance is today with our uh, you know, guest will probably give you some, some enlightenment on things and uh, maybe a new way of looking at things when you deal with children and when parenting and and whether again your kids or other kids uh, so so without further ado i always do this mysterious thing right but today i have with me dr roseanne kapana hodge uh, a, a pediatric psychologist uh, that is that correct right that's, that's right that is right okay good <laughs> so so doctor how are you and welcome to the show i'm good we're we're um, we're you know, living in the Northeast, you and I, and it's yes. springtime and summer is right around the corner and um, life is good. And, um, you know, even though I talk about really serious things and we should be worried about our kids' mental health and parents' mental health, I'm actually even more worried about parents' mental health right now. Um, you know, I like to bring information together with practicalness and good tips for people that they can take action on and create change right away. Because when people feel so overwhelmed, as that is the word that I am hearing on everybody's lips, we feel like we can't take one more step. And I want everybody to know you can, and we're going to talk about some things you can do. Excellent. Well, welcome, welcome, and thank you for uh, being on the show and, and, and willing to, to share all your your greatness here and I, I know by the way i know you've been through through many shows and on tv and you have your own book and we're going to talk about that uh and you you've been on podcasts before uh so so you've really touched a lot of lives um the the, the first thing so today you and i we were discussing earlier is i wanted to tell the folks here so the title today of this particular episode is hey parents everything's gonna be okay and it's driven from the, your book right. <laughs> which is it's gonna be okay, right? Is that right. The, right? So, yeah. so, so, I love that name. I, I love that title. Actually, it's gonna be okay because I think that's a good thing to to hear everywhere, anytime, anywhere. If we hear it's gonna be okay, kind of almost sends a good vibe, a good message, right? Uh, so, so, so let's start there. You know, if we say it's gonna be okay, that means there are problems. <laughs> <laughs> typically that's that's a good that's that's a, a common you know type of uh you know uh quote for people and you know indication hey things are bad now but it's going to be better or it's going to be okay at least that's how it's perceived right um, so 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 let's talk about that i mean this this world is is just dynamic there's so many things going on uh last year and a half have been very uh unique to say the least, uh, if not crazy, stressful, <laughs> very stressful, very I, stressful for uh, most people. 
and, and for most people, and specifically kids and or parents, because uh, first of all, when schools were on and kids can go and, and interact and socialize, that was one thing. We had to deal with different mental state and different other issues. But then when schools kind of shut down, locked down, everything, you know, these kids, I, I can speak for myself, my kids uh, as a parent have been locked down in, in the house for pretty much over a year. Yeah. We didn't do anything other than just hanging out in the house or maybe around the house, maybe go out here. But it was a tough time. I mean, they couldn't socialize. They couldn't meet friends. Uh, everybody's scared. So, so I know this is not just me. I think everybody that's watching or listening and yourself and, and, and anybody out there has experienced this one way or the other. So, so, so let's talk, first of all, about just children's mental state. I mean, they're not as, you know, elevated to, to an adult, you know, at, at a certain point of age. I mean, obviously, they're younger. So, so are there any differences in the way we obviously uh, engage in, in our mental you know, status? Yeah, I mean, you know, so you brought up some really great points. I mean, you know, as I said, I don't think there's anybody that's not been affected by some way, shape, or form, you know, the social ramifications of the last year and a half. And people have been hunkered down. Um, and hunkering down sometimes is great for people. Um, I, I can say that, like, my family life didn't seem that dramatically different, except we weren't traveling, right? So mm -hmm. we had a, we hang out with a small group of people anyway, and we hung out with our small group of people. And, um, and so everyone's life got disrupted, right, yeah. for the most part. Some people's work changed. Uh, some people lost jobs. And so there is an absolute effect across the whole family system. And, and it does start with mom and dad. And we, we don't really need research, but research tells us that 70% of parents reported in the American Psychological Association, their 2020 um, research stress in America survey, that 70% reported a significant amount of stress due to homeschooling and pandemic parenting. Okay, mm -hmm. right. And so here we have really stressed adults educating their kids, working from home, right? Because most people, unless you sent your kid to a private school, uh, private schools managed to mostly be in person um, in 2020 into 2021. Um, but most people, I had friends that their kids were out of school for 15 months. You know, like un unbelievable. Like, you know, they never, they, I had friends who just went back to school in California and in the West Coast in May. Well, my, right? my kids haven't gone back to school yet. I mean, literally, ah. they've been, uh, I mean, just remote until and virtual right. until now. I mean, that, so they, they're going to go back in, in the fall, but they have not been actually. My daughter, uh, you know, she just had, that was her first year at high school. And guess what? She still hasn't stepped in school. She, she didn't make it. What a tough year. I know. And it's crazy. So we have these kids and like, you know, so developmentally, the ages, how are kids affected, right? So mm -hmm. we have some research. We have some research coming out of Europe, Asia, and in the States, right? And so just in general, younger kids tend to look to their parents with how they manage stress. So if the parents are setting that tone, right, I always tell parents myself, my book, it's going to be okay because they need to hear that, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that it's going to be okay. And I always believe there's solutions to make things better. Um, and so when we tell our kids it's going to be okay, they're like, okay, right? Um, and they, they kind of they fall along. Then you get a school-age kid who had more routine middle schoolers who were starting to learn to be on their own and high schoolers, like a ninth grader, that was your first chance to kind of be independent. And, and my college kids, so high schoolers and college kids, what we're seeing were the most affected. Um, and from a psychologist perspective, why is that? Because they're supposed to be independent. They're supposed to be doing social things and it got squashed. Right. And then all these major disappointments happened, you know, loss of sporting events and after school mm -hmm. activities, um, you know, things that provide a lot of structure and routine for kids. And so just these disruptions. So, you know, what do we know about kids? And, you know, we know that there is a dramatic increase in anxiety, depression and um, suicidal ideation. So having suicidal thoughts. And the biggest increases have been with teens and young adults. Um, we also know that if you had, if you were a teen or young adult, 
and one of your immediate family members had COVID, you have a 50% chance of having moderate to severe depression. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. One in two kids, right? That's moderate to severe. That doesn't even mean that. So we have some really impacted kids. The good news is that the younger kids, depending on the stability of mom and dad, right? And, and not to put this on parents, but I am because we know our kids do something called co-regulate. So when we have our stuff together, our kids regulate based on our mood, right? So when we are, you know, got our A game on as a parent, um, we're slaying stress. We're saying, hey, okay, this is stressful, but this is how I'm coping with it. We're not melting down in front of our kids. We're responding the best we can. I'm not saying perfectly, but then our kids are better able to manage their own stress. And, and this co-regulation, it affects all kids across all ages, but certainly our younger kids, when they are learning how to manage their stress, they're really watching mom and dad. And then, you know, I'm a mom of a teenager and, you know, teenagers, my gosh, you look at them the wrong way, they're going to bite your head off. So <laughs> I know <laughs> I have two of them. <laughs> right. So um, I like to think I'm super funny. So we, we do, my husband and I, we do a lot of joking and I find that to be the best diffuser of stress. It's pretty hard. I mean, they might tell you they hate you still, but, but when you crack a joke or something, it's just takes, takes that stress level down. But you know, teenagers are going through a lot of hormone changes and, you know, they're, they're tense anyway. Um, but so there's definitely been an impact and we're in, you know, and then in terms of schools, you know, our teachers have been hit hard. I mean, they're very traumatized by what happened. They're very, they were ill-prepared. They had no training on how to do virtual, um, mm -hmm. teaching and how kids learn best. Um, and it's so different from school to school, um, you know, district to district in a state, it's very different how people are teaching and there was no uniformity, you know, so kids will be going back. Kids that did go back, they were excited. They didn't give a crap about wearing a mask. Their, their parents were getting up in arms. The kids didn't care. They just wanted to be around the other kids. Mm -hmm. um, and they did a great job for the kids that did do it for the most part, right? Um, but they're, you're going to be walking in with a high level of stress. And, you know, the, the sad part about all this, I mean, I'm on this mission to change the way we view and treat kids' mental health. And I do all this media, just like you do this podcast, to enlighten people and to give them tools, right? Yes. Um, and I really do believe people just don't know how to create that change within themselves. And when they do, they're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like I can do this. I can, um, I didn't know what means to do deep breathing and how it regulates my whole nervous system. Like I, nobody ever explained that. And like, what does that mean? It means you can pay attention. It means that you're less cranky. <laughs> it means you'll sleep better. There's a, like all these benefits. And so we take one little thing and we bring it into our lives. We all of a sudden can have a massive ripple effect. And that's why I do what I do. But Right before the pandemic in January of 2021, I started the Global Institute of Children's Mental Health because I already was so concerned. And so we're literally, you know, building on, you know, a straw foundation for our kids' mental health. And I think parents are so overwhelmed. Part of it, because they're working from home, they're, you know, like a sous chef, they're doing all kinds of, they're a teacher, who, who knew that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but they also are seeing how much their kids actually struggle, but not even related to the pandemic, just because there's some difficulties. We have such an increase in kids with focus problems and mood problems and all these things. There's a lot of changes happening for kids and some of it's not good. Wow, I mean that's a lot of information, Doctor. Yeah, and 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 thank you. I mean, it's 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 an eye opener for for some stuff you just you know mentioned. And so so, just just to to, to take a, a moment, parents obviously are at the source of a lot of this stuff. I mean, they're they can be a plus or minus in this case. I mean, they can yes. really they're 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 a mirror that is being, you know, where the kids are looking and <laughs> taking whatever they almost mimicking, you know, what these, these, these behaviors of parents would be. But, but I think there's another 
a, a component that maybe you, you can uh, expand on if, you, if, if it's possible. Now, like I, I've experienced this with my own children. They're also reporting and literally, you know, as we have discussions, the anxiety and other and almost like being impacted with other friends who are going hundred percent. So it's not so much, even though, like you say, we might have the A game here, but not everybody has the A game. And I think so it's a ripple effect. So the other folks now and their entourage, as virtual as they are, they still are feeding that's and they live. I can tell you, my kids have become, you know, glued to their phones and their iPads and stuff throughout the pandemic because that's where friends were. Uh, as a matter of fact, what if this is a this is funny. They, there's a new pattern with kids now, and I'm not sure if you experienced it or you heard it already, but they kind of sleep with the live feed. So actually everybody, like they keep talking, they crash, they wake up, everybody's still live. <laughs> I discovered that, I'm like, what, what kind of life is that? But then I realized that's just how they're connecting, which is- they're Connecting, right. It, it, it is amazing. And and I've seen that because they, they come, dad, you know, my parents, my, my friends, you know, their stress, this, the anxiety, depression- and and it's kind of like almost contagious, you know, just as bad mm-hmm. as the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and maybe even more because, I mean, mentally, if that affects you, to your point, you mentioned suicide, you mentioned other things. Yeah. I mean, that is not a that is not something that we can take lightly. Right. Um, so so is there any I guess it, it's just the same factor. It depends on what family and how they handle it and so on and so forth. And then that just kind of uh, affects that that particular. Yeah. Well, I mean, I talked about co-regulation, right? So we yes. regulate, our kids learn to regulate based on how we're regulating, right? So like if you come home and you're super tense, right, you're you're likely to create tension at home. And it's not to say I don't want to make parents feel bad. Like I come home and I'm like, I had a really bad day. <laughs> we do every now and and, and I'm like, what does that mean? And my kids will be like, it means that we shouldn't bug you. And I'm like, yes. Exactly. Right. Like I have these conversations literally like this with my kids, like they get it and they'll say something to me like, I'm really tired today. You know, whatever. Can I, can I, um, like do this in the morning instead of that? And I'm like, sure. You ask so appropriately. Of course, you know, like I want them to realize that they have to figure things out. So like people, you also co-regulate who's around you. Like if everybody thinks about like their job and that one toxic person at the job, right. And you're like, Oh, and you know the meeting is completely different. It alters your behavior. You feel stressed around them. And um, like right before we got on this, we're I'm going to some place and we're all talking about renting a big house instead of going to a hotel. And I was like, great, great, great. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I already said I was going to share a room with this person. Well, that person, I see her on Zoom in our meetings. She's stressed out all the time. I'm like, I cannot be in a house with her because literally the stress drips off of her, right? And what you're talking about with these teens, not everybody's going to have their stuff together. We're already seeing a dramatic uptick in behaviors, violent behaviors, aggressive behaviors of adults, right? So we have to think about, you know, I wish my dream is that you know, we would be really proactive when we went back to school. It's not going to happen because school systems are never proactive. I've worked in them before. I've been a consultant. I still consult for schools. And, you know, my dream is that we would do mindfulness and meditation 15 to 20 minutes every day in every classroom across America. And why does that matter, people? Because when you calm that nervous system down and you take it out of a hyper-stressed state, which when you're in a hyper-stressed state, it means that you're more reactive to things. You can't listen. You, your attention's not going to be the same. Uh, just a lot of negative things. But when we bring you down into this relaxed parasympathetic state, I always call it the hot tub state, because when you go in a hot tub, you go into that really relaxed state, right? Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. And nobody can be cranky in a hot after a hot tub. You know oh, yeah. what I'm saying? You can't, right? And even the the word hot tub makes you think, oh yeah, that's like you just said, <laughs> nice, right? <Spa. laughs> ah, so if we got our kids to regulate every day and we taught them to regulate their nervous system, we're gonna see a lot less kids that are distressed. I mean, the Colorado declared a mental health state of emergency with their youth um wow. last week, I believe. So I mean we 
this is very, very serious. I mean, uh, Las Vegas, Clark County brought their kids back during the uh, fall of 2020 because they had over 3,000 reports of kids um, reporting suicidal ideation. And um, I believe there were actually 18 suicides. So they were like, we have to put the mental health before physical health. We have to bring kids back at least hybrid. Um, and that's what they did, which like kudos to them, right? Because other districts were like, you know, forget about it, but they're the fifth largest in the United States. And they realized we're going to not be able to handle this. Plus we're losing our youth. So yes, who your kids are hanging out with, right? That doesn't mean your friend, your kid shouldn't love up somebody who's depressed or struggling or all any of those things, but it means invite the conversation, have conversation. Like we've got to talk to our kids about mental health and not like, Oh, is Becky depressed? No, you don't, you know, like I see Becky is having a hard time. How do you support her? Is there anything, you know, like here are some ways that I do things. Like, have you, have you thought about, like having Becky come over for dinner or um, like, why don't you guys take a virtual yoga class, whatever. I mean, you know, talk about ways to bring, you know, I mean, my proudest parents moments are when my kids do right by other people and they're kind. That is absolutely my proudest parenting moments. It's not when they get a great grade or any of that stuff. Like it literally does not matter to me that stuff. Um, so, you know, when you have a heart where you give to other people, you have a lot of empathy, you're, you know, the research says you're going to be a lot more successful in life, both academically and financially. So, um, you know, we, we're not cultivating that. So these are ways to have great conversations with our kids. And I'm glad you brought up that, you know, your kid could got, have it together, but another kid could be struggling and it's hard. And, you know, you also want to talk to your kid about setting boundaries. Like they don't, they don't have to be a therapist to a kid, you know, and you can say to your kid, listen, you can be kind to people and you can set boundaries like, hey, listen, hey, Becky, I know you're depressed and I am here for you, but I am not going to sit on the phone with you for 30 minutes and hear about how you wish you were going to kill yourself. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk. I want to talk to you about getting some help, you know, because some kids you know, they're absorbers and um, it's scary and they shouldn't be therapizing uh, other kids, right? They can be friends, um, but they also, you need to give them the, the verbiage and the, and the language to, to help set boundaries because teenage adults don't know how to set boundaries. And, and if we could give that to a kid now, it's like one of the best things that will ever happen to them in their lives, learning how to set boundaries. I think that's a powerful advice. I mean, I, I didn't think about it that way, but you're right. I mean, kids, sometimes they just want to volunteer, you know, yeah. they're, they're going to try to help, but, but they, they're not equipped to do that. And, and no. to your point, they might just, you know, almost create the, 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 the adverse reaction here where people may just do whatever because they're not going to be able to give them the right advice. And you're right. If we, if they listen, if people are listening right now to this show and, and on, when they watch it, uh, I think you should, you know, take consideration that you should talk to your kids and or, you know, your nephews, nieces, anybody that you love. And maybe uh, this is a good advice where, you know, they if seek help. Let's let's talk about how you can get assistance and and talk to somebody that can help you better. I mean, that's great you know, advice. But you did mention something uh, interesting, which is what you mentioned earlier about your wish where, you know, maybe meditation can be in school. I, I that, that kind of, I, well, you said that something just clicked in my mind. I mean, we do have, you know, physical education and as in school, there's usually a dedicated hour or whatever, you know, I forgot the time slot for it, but oh, allocation for it. But, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, in, in like, again, I have a martial arts background and part of the, the, the classes, you do take five, 10 minutes of meditation. Now, maybe that's the way to do it. They may not want to add it to the curriculum, but they might just be able to add it to yeah. their, you know, you can play hoops, but you can also do, you know, a few minutes of, yeah. of, of just, you know, USA, calm down <laughs> moment, you know, that can help too. Again, I, I just something that clicked on my mind when you yeah. said that, because no, I think, I, I think be it's fantastic. I think it could be done, but I think that, that people have no idea how bad it's going to be when we get back in. We're already in a shortage of mental health professionals. And these schools are going to be, you know, losing teachers and, um, you know, 3 million women left the workforce in the pandemic, 3 million women in the United States, right? Because they 
had to take care of their kids, you know, or, or didn't want to deal with what was going on. So we, we have to address mental health proactively. We keep trying to address it reactively. And again, you know, before the pandemic, one in two children in the United States, 54.2, have a physical or a mental health problem. I mean, that's alarming. One in two kids have a physical or a mental health problem. I mean, the rates of down with anxiety and depression, the average age of onset for anxiety disorder in America is age six, right? Why and is that? Because guess- people are so, I mean, you know, this is my 30th year in mental health and people have no coping skills. They don't know how to manage stress. They do not like feeling uncomfortable. They don't like feeling grief, right? They don't like feeling sad, anger. They don't like that feeling. And so they want to disassociate, get away from it. It's also why one in six adults prior to the pandemic is on a psychiatric medication. I mean, one in six adults is on a psychiatric medication. I mean, you know, this is like extreme, right? Of what's happening. Those statistics are like, you know, I'm I'm just blown away right i'm like i don't even know what to say i mean yeah like you you would not even you know fathom those 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 statistics but they're real i mean you you're in the business <laughs> right. you see them you read them there's research there's articles uh it, those are like some serious you know uh, yeah. rates here <laughs> I, I mean, mean I, it's the rates of suicide before the pandemic and the 10 years before went up 56 percent for kids 10 to 17 i mean I don't even know what it is now. I mean, you know, we don't exactly have the rates. We know they're increasing. We have information. You know, the long-term ramifications are very serious. And these kids, right, with their stressed out parents are walking wounded, right? Like we always think when somebody has anxiety or depression or OCD um, or suicidal thoughts, we think that we can see them, that they're easy to spot. They're not. You know what I mean? Like most people I know that I've worked that I've worked with that have attempted suicide. Yeah, there's some characteristics. There's some things, not characteristics. There's some red flags, right? Mm-hmm. Like a recent breakup is one of the biggest um, causes of a break of a suicide, particularly with teens. Um, another friend killing themselves, or a well-known person in the community or on TV killing themselves, causes an uptick in suicide. But most people with mental health issues, right, the one in six on medications, they're going to work. They're at school. You know, they're they're in in relationships. Maybe not great. Maybe fantastic. Sometimes, you know, my most depressed or anxious kids have are straight-A students. I mean, honestly, the majority of kids I work with are good students, and they're struggling so hard with mental health for a lot of reasons. You know, we always want to think it's like a bad family life, but kids are changing. Genetics are changing and kids are just really not adept at managing stress for for so many reasons. But some of it is because parents want to bubble wrap their kids and so, they don't want them to, you know, experience anything bad. So that that's actually I was going to ask. Well, there's two 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 key questions I want to ask based on, on some of the, 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 the elements you discussed here or mentioned. One is I know you mentioned depressed and anxiety, you know, depression, anxiety. I mean, can you just give us a little, just a a brief definition of the two, because it seems that they're two, uh, you know, unique, uh, uh, I guess, prospects. They're different. Yeah. They're not the same. Yeah. And I'm going to actually toss in stress in there, right? Okay. Because stress uh, is important in there. So (laughs) stress is a normal reaction to something that happens, right? You, you drop a, um, a stapler on your foot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you um, got a, a C when you were hoping to get an A. Right. Or whatever it is. Your wife yells at you. You know, yeah. those are normal everyday kind of stressors. And your, you know, our autonomic nervous system regulates our stress response. So that's that stress response is sympathetic, dominant, relaxed, hot tub is parasympathetic. So we, my wife yells at me and then I have a normal, healthy response system. It comes back down. So what is happening and what has happened in 2020 into 21 is we're just getting hammered, 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 hammered. And our stress response is we're getting activated all the time. And so when we think about anxiety, right, 
anxiety can come for many reasons. There can be a genetic component, which most people think it's always that way. I'm going to tell you that's the least common way. Um, it has a lot to do with chronic long-term stress, inflammation in the body, um, and other sources that are impacting our, our nervous system and causing it to get to get agitated. Even infectious diseases are massively in the rise. We're in the Northeast. Um, Lyme disease and tick-borne illness is as common as anything, right? We all, mm -hmm. everybody in the Northeast knows and loves somebody with serious Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease. So, um, so what happens is you move from this chronic stress state to anxiety. Now, anxiety can also result because you've had a really awful situation that's really dragging you down. Like we can't, in our world, it's called situational stressors. You have a divorce, your kid got bullied. Like there's just so many things. And so then we have, and what's the difference between stress and anxiety is anxiety is interfering with your life. Like it doesn't go back down. It's something that's a constant. And in some way, whether it's physical, your sleep or your stomach, you, you know, you can't hold food down or it's your job or it's learning. There's something that's in some way it significantly impacts you. Then you have depression and depression is really about struggling with mood. And we often think of the person who's low and withdrawn and can't get out of bed. And yes, that's one type of depression. But there's also depression where people are agitated and angry and, you know, viperish, as I like to call it, you know, really struggle with that, that mood impulse control component of it. And then there's sort of in-betweens where people can cycle between the two. Um, and this, just like anxiety, it has to interfere with your life, right? Um, and anxiety is now the number one mental health condition in America. It used to be depression for a long time, but anxiety it has, has you know, risen to the top because we are an anxious world. We are an anxious society. We absolutely are. So hopefully that answers your, your question about what is stress, what is anxiety, what is depression. And in all of these things, nobody ever regrets getting help. They only regret when they don't. So- don't wait for it to be so awful that you can't get out of your bed. Well, I mean, listen, first of all, thank you. I mean, I, I think that, that that was very clear. I mean, you know, these are three distinct, uh, you know, type of diagnosis. And, 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 and definitely we need to understand the difference. And, and the, 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 the unique part is that you mentioned that anxiety now is the number one. I mean, that I, I didn't think that that would be the case, but uh, amazing. And, and the other part is that um, you're right. You mentioned earlier uh, about getting assistance and help, but he also stated earlier that um, there are less, you know, there's a shortage of specialists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think, I mean, luckily we have the internet now and, and, you know, the virtual world has expanded. I think now maybe the access will be easier. I mean, you are accessible right now. I mean, anyone yeah. can really I have people, you. clients in Hong Kong and um, in, you know, in the Middle East right now. There you, you go. Know? So, and hopefully we'll get some more folks that, that may need some some assistance. Now, listen, if you're listening, watching, and you think you or someone you know we love uh, may need some services, hey, uh, please reach out. I mean that that would be great. And there's uh, so. providers, licensed mental health providers all over the United States. I mean there really are, and um, you know you can you can you can find them, and you know, but. I do believe therapy, psychotherapy is great. And I think that we need to look at what type of issue it is and what type of psychotherapy works best. Like mm -hmm. I specialize in uh, one of the areas I specialize is, is, is OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder in kids. And um, it's very hard to find a provider. People don't have information and they often go to somebody who treats anxiety. Well, it's like the worst thing you can do. It actually feeds the obsessive uh, thinking, intrusive thoughts. Um, and, and so you got to go to the right, it's like, you don't go get your foot checked by a cardiologist, right? You've got to make sure you're getting the right kind of help. But, but even before we do that, I wrote my book, it's going to be okay. Right. It's filled with information about how do you reduce and reverse mental health symptoms. And mm -hmm. I'm this big science nerd. You've already heard me talk about stats. I've got 40 pages of research citations in this book. I don't mess around. Um, I want you to know what does the research say about what creates change? Like people are like, what do you mean you could reverse mental health symptoms? I help people do it every day. And, and there's pillars. So I literally break it down, walk people exactly how to do that. 
And, you know, and for me, there's, there's many, many things that people can do to improve their mental health, but, you know, it really starts with regulating that nervous system and people are only thinking that medication is an option. Um, I'm not opposed to medication. I'm absolutely 100% opposed that this is the first line of defense with all mental health, but particularly with kids. I mean, we should never be like, oh, you're struggling with focus. Here, here's this pill. That's the craziest thing in the whole world. And somehow people think it's safe. These drugs are absolutely toxic. There is not one medication that is not toxic. So I want people to look at what the research says and to create change. And a lot of these things, like I talked about, are little hacks, little things that you can do if you do them consistently, right? Like breath work. Like I love for breath work to be in school five to 10 minutes a day. You, the research says it's only 10 minutes a day of doing mindfulness-based activities creates lasting, uh, over 40 days, creates lasting brain change. And our kids are going to be so stressed that even if your kid is that kid that's not, they're going to be around the other 50% minimum are going to be pretty jacked up, as I like to say. And it's going to have a negative impact energetically being around these kids behaviorally you now have a teacher who's like literally battle battle weary you know leading a class again so the consistency and using things that science say work is really so important right now and that's why i'm having this these conversations Doctor, I know you, you're a big advocate also of, for natural and like therapies types. Um, and also you mentioned, you know, uh, in the book, uh, your, your four steps or like, uh, I don't know if that's the same as the REPS protocol. Yeah, is that, that is my REPS protocol. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so would you kindly maybe yeah. share with us some of those steps? And, yeah. and, and I do want to go back to the OCD, if, if you don't mind, maybe for people are listening, just to understand what OCD is. I mean, we all know it's obsessive, you know, a disorder. We all want to do things, you know, uh, in a certain way. I guess that's that's how we see it. Maybe there's more to it. Uh, maybe those two items. So if you don't so mind. let's talk about OCD because we're right there before we jump into reps. So, okay. So OCD, most people think of it as compulsions. They think okay. of it as hand washing or checking mm -hmm. or counting and organizing. And people, you know, like I'm so OCD. They see it as like a, like a little bit of a. You know, I'm a perfectionist, right? Yes. Here, here's the deal. Most OCD typically starts with anxiety. It starts with a worry. And then you find what we call, I hate to say this, but a maladaptive way. You find, you latch on to an unhealthy way to manage that worry. And at, that worry morphs into intrusive thoughts. So like, and they're never rational thoughts. Like you can be the smartest kid, smartest person, and you have irrational thoughts. So like, for example, it could be a thought could come into your head. Like if I don't get an A on this test, I'm going to get pregnant. And, um, and then your brain goes, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you're going to get pregnant because you're not going to get an A. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Right. And then what happens is you get an A and you don't get pregnant. So there's, that's what's called a negative reinforcement cycle. So the brain says, oh, you better keep thinking that you better keep doing that because you didn't get pregnant. And so, and that's just like a dramatic example, but that's the kind of rationalizing and people can look really together on the surface and in their head, this is what happens. Do, does everybody have you know, compulsions like hand watching or, or counting or touching or any of that. Not everybody does, but everybody has intrusive thoughts with OCD. What is different about a worried thought versus an obsessive thought? Well, it's an hour or more a day having obsessive thinking. That's when it flips to OCD. Um, they don't have to be as dramatic as that, but most people have some pretty dark kind of thinking. Um, you know, it's not uncommon to have religious, sexual, um, a harm of others or self kinds of things and be a, a six-year-old. Like, and so these thoughts just get stuck. And as you just watched me, the brain, the way it works, it just latches on and make that connection. It's totally irrational. 
but it made that connection. It reinforces it. It makes it like literally like a hundred times more likely that it's just going to keep happening. And that's what therapy does is it teaches you to break that. You expose yourself to that. Like you're going to get a B on the test. Watch what's going to happen. Oh, you got a B. Did you get pregnant? No, I didn't. Okay. Well, Let's talk about it. How did you manage that? How did that feel? And you you learn to do that. It, and the type of therapy that's utilized for OCD is called exposure and response prevention. So it's a combination of challenging the thoughts, the behaviors, and then exposing you to what happens when you don't do it. And it takes a really trained person. Um, so I'm sure it's probably totally different what you thought OCD was. It is. I mean, you mentioned, yeah. I mean, for us, it's like, I like to put things in place. I, you know, yeah. I do things over, like I overreact on things, but, but this is beyond that. I mean, this is like really. Yeah. <laughs> my, and it doesn't yeah, interfere you. with your life. It, you know, I mean, you can be orderly and you can have a, a, a bit of a compulsiveness, but it's not interfering with your life. Right. You know what I mean? So um, OCD is very tough to treat. Um, it's highly, highly responsive. We use a combination of neurofeedback, which we do with people all over the world, and then this type of psychotherapy called exposure and response prevention. Um, it's It's been like a game changer. I mean, when I see what happens to people because the neurofeedback calms the nervous system down, and then the ERP gives the person the tools to cope and to turn that dialogue around and to shut down you know, the obsessive thinking, we, we call it, it, you stop feeding the barking dog because every time you, you get the A and you're like, I didn't get pregnant. You actually feed the barking dog and the bar, the dog's going to just bark more. Right. So you have to learn and create the safe space. So, um, so it's, uh, it's something that haunts people and people can really hide their OCD. Like it's shot, like Howie Mandel talks about his, he's got severe, severe OCD. And he's a germ phobe yes. and it gets in the way of his life. Um, obviously, he has a certain kind of life and he can um, he can cope with it differently than other people because he can have people, you know, shop for him and do all these other things. Not everybody can do that. So um, but he has been really gracious about talking about how debilitating it's been in his life. So that's one part of it. Well, well, that's that leads right into the coping piece, right? Yeah. And and then your steps. I mean, I think yeah. those are the tools that you utilize, or at least you share with people as guides to help them. Yeah. Uh, parents or young or youth, I guess. Yeah. So I use something called the Reps Protocol, and I don't just use it with kids and adults. I actually use it with with companies, and I teach people these four simple step, steps to really squashing stress. Um, and learning how to cope, right? And again, why do we want to cope? Because life is always going to be full of stressors and you need to have resilience. You need that grit. Otherwise, everything is going to irritate you. So it doesn't mean you ignore things. It means you address it appropriately. You take the time and address it. So my reps protocol, I'll say what it is and then we'll go in, go into it. R is for respirate or breathe. E is for envision, which is visualizing. P is for positivity and S is for stress management. And so for me, everything starts with breath and you've got to get your breath regulated so that your nervous system isn't reacting to everything. Because once your nervous system is hijacked, so is your thinking. You, you're not a good employee. You're not Panic a good- mode. Right. You're in a panic mode. You're in fight, flight, or freeze when you're super activated. Um, and you, you know, everyone is talking about brain fog and low motivation. It's because of stress, people. You know, and so when we breathe, there's all types of great breath. You are a martial arts person, so you probably have a, a specific type of breath. Um, and there's no bad breath. It just needs to be a belly breath. So you need to, I like a breath called the four, seven, eight. So you go in for four through the nose, you fill up your belly like a balloon, you hold for seven, and then you go out for eight. And you do that three times in a row, minimum three times a day. And you're literally teaching your your nervous system to just relax, relax, relax. And when you do, you know, it's like when you wake up in the middle of the night and your brain is racing. I mean, that's what happens to me, right? Because I have lots of ideas percolating. I'm like, don't do anything, breathe. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because we do tell, I mean, it's a joke. We say, hey, take a deep breath. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, it's amazing yeah. how that is a practice that we say all the time, but we yeah. don't pay mind to it. <laughs> and it's really the quickest way that you can hack into your nervous system and get it to calm down. It really is the quickest physiological way to do that. I mean, it's that powerful. So then, you know, what do successful people do, right? They visualize, they talk positive to themselves. There isn't an athlete in the world that doesn't use visualization with positive talk. So that's that E is for envisioning and P is for positivity. When we feel stressed, when we're having a hard time, or maybe you've been raised with some really negative people, we have a propensity to catastrophize. We have a propensity to say, I'm not going to get a B on that test. You know, like they're never going to pick me for that job, you know, and you know, we have to take lessons from our leaders, from our athletes. They don't go up to bat or, you know, um, you know, toss the ball and say, I'm never making the, you know, I'm never making this ball. Like it's never getting in the net. It's just not happening. They're like, I'm getting in this net and I'm going to get in the net like three times tonight. You know, so you have to, your brain will believe anything you tell it, anything. Okay. I me, myself, and I relationship. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. Oh, my God. It's so true. And so tell it good things, but also practice visualizing. So in a time when everybody's so stressed and, and really, really struggling, these are little, little steps, but you have to put them together and you have to do them, right? And I often say, like, it's like that treadmill that you have in your bedroom. Are you using it as um, a clothing rack? Or are you getting your tuckets on there, right? And so it's the same thing with the reps. And the S is stress management. You've, you've got to do these things and you've got to pick something. And you've got to do it at least 10 minutes a day. So, you know, everyone always thinks that you got to do 30 minutes or an hour. It's great. It's great if you can do that, right? When I get done with this, I'm going to go take a bath. Right. So, um, but that 10 minutes is, is really that bar. And, you know, what can that be? It can be meditation. It can be yoga. It can be prayer. It can be positive affirmations. It could be biofeedback. It could be neurofeedback. There is a lot of other things. I dive into all these things in my book. It's going to be okay. But I want people to know that I love the reps protocol. Why I did it is they put it together because this is all free stuff. This is not, there's no barrier. There's no age barrier. There's no income barrier. It's you. You just need to actually do it. And, you know, do it for 30 days and chart your stress levels on a scale of zero to 10. You know, get a calendar or put it in your Google calendar and write down, okay, 10 is my highest stress level, zero, I don't have any. And monitor it and chart it. And there's no way that if you do this for 30 days, you're not going to go down. You're going to improve. Um, I'm a data girl too, you know, and I, I want people, cause people come into me all the time and they're like, I don't notice a difference. And I'm like, but you're reporting a 50% change, you know, and they get so hung up that it has to be this massive, massive thing. Maybe, maybe you started sleeping, you know, 30 minutes later every day. Like maybe you're not getting into arguments with your teenager. Like you have to find ways to bring those stress levels down and, and it's not going to happen unless you tend to your own garden. Oh, I mean, these are, I mean, the advice you're giving right now, I mean, it's amazing because you're breaking it down to us and, and to whoever's listening, you know, I mean, really it's as simple as, as it sounds. Uh, it just, you just have to take action. I mean, I think we got to take action. Yeah, we have to, to do it. I mean, that's the, I think that's the other part where people are just starting is the key. And most people have a difficulty starting anything. I think that's just a general, you know, I guess statement, but, but a lot of us, you know, we tend to, Oh, we're approximate. Okay, tomorrow. Okay, I'll do it. But then we can get started. It's for fitness, for you know, for just working out, for example. I'm gonna go to the gym. Okay, today, tomorrow, never do. <laughs> Same concept here. But you're right. If you start and you 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 put it, you know, pen to paper and you look at those those uh you know achievements, even small achievements day in, day out, you can see it's 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 reinforcing your positive, I think, because when you see an improvement as little as it could be. And to your point, it could be just a small thing that, right. but you will be able to see it when you talk to someone, they might not be able to see it right away unless you indicate, Hey, see this, that's a big difference from when we started. I think that's, that's something that most of us may not see in advance. Yeah. But if we were to, to take this test and take these steps, I think there should be great, tremendous value there. 
So Well, and you know, where do most people feel stress, right? This is where they're going to see improvement. Sleep disruption, emotional eating, um, you know, arguing, you know, or withdraw, mm-hmm. and physical symptoms, headaches, stomach aches, right? Most people I know have headaches, stomach aches, or sleep problems, or all three, right? And that's the impact of stress. So, you know, we have to make a conscious effort, right? We can't, and you know, your body knows no difference between good and bad stress. So uh, you could be in the middle of a book tour like Dr. Rowe, and I'm like, oh man, I need to like, you know, I I just planned a couple of great vacations. Like I was like, okay, you, you need some downtime. Um, you, you have to, you can't run on empty and we're, we're a society where we run on empty and boy. Did we not fill our cup up in 2020 and 2021? Like, it's been rough. It's been hard. Nobody denies that. But mm-hmm. what are you doing to counter that? It's not going to go away on its own. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, again, I mean, I think I think to your point, I mean, it's been a, a rough year and a half. A lot of people did not cope well with it. And some did. Some, you know, uh, took the time to write, to do new things, to discover few things. Uh, they, they find substitution to things that they were doing before. They used to go to gym, now they go outside. Uh, some people started businesses. I mean, some people started, you know, uh, taking advantage of a Zoom and maybe doing podcasts, you know, so so there's so many things. But, but again, it's not general. Uh, and, and I think shows like this can show that everybody can can really do the same it's just a matter of seeing and sometimes people don't know how to start and where to start maybe these these are really good ways of sharing with people really simple yeah Yeah. Yeah. i don't think just like you said i didn't know when everyone said you know take a breath you didn't really understand the science behind that now Mm -hmm. you understand the science it's like well i i can do that three times a day like that's pretty easy right you know what i mean like when i when i wake wake up before my feet touch the the ground somewhere in the middle of the day. And when I go to bed, like, it's not that hard. Anybody can do it. And, you know, I started teaching my kids these things when they were babies. And um, I love to see them doing it now. Like today, my son um, is a gagger and he can throw up really easily. And he went to the dentist and I watched him. I said, do you need me to go with you when they're doing the x-rays? And he was like, no, he stopped. I could see him do a breath and he went and he didn't throw up. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, for shows and, and even with this, sometimes, you know, when I do presentations and trainings, you know, you do feel a little bit of an anxiety before you get started. You get that little, you know, kind of buzzy. Nutty. Exactly. But, you know, that's exactly what I do. All right, I got this, and I do it, and that's it. And then once you start talking, it's over. <laughs> right. But, but but really, it starts with that. I mean, again, you are almost like you know things that we do sometimes we don't even realize what the the science or the the, the right. behind them. But but it's it's amazing. A lot of people may probably like I do that stuff already, but you know, but, but you have to be intentful yes. about it, yeah. right? So like you do you do that, but you you have to bring into the conscious awareness, and you have to just incorporate it in your practice, like. Just like brushing your teeth, right? Like, you know, we're all brushing our teeth because we don't want to have terrible breath and we certainly don't want to have cavities. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to add this as a protective component too. And, and maybe, maybe you're really struggling. Like, there, you know, again, one in six people are on a psychiatric medication. Well, I want you to do 30 minutes a day of something, you know, like you're going to have to step it up. You have clinical levels and maybe that 30 minutes is. 10 times 10 minutes three times a day but it's in your power you don't have to give your power away and you should still see your therapist but i want you to know there's more things you can do and you are in charge of that instead of being overwhelmed by it you should be excited there's truly so much science behind these natural therapies um, and we're just not having that dialogue about using them for many reasons but this is why we are having it well again and then i I appreciate every minute of this show here and, and all the advice because I think many people can can use and really take advantage of, you know, again, it's free advice and it's easy stuff that you can do. You don't have to buy any of this. <laughs> you know, I mean, we would like them to actually buy the book and maybe get get, get the information, you know, in, in depth. But, right. the idea, but the idea is really, it's-, it's Just to start, you know exactly, what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. You know, hopefully this is inspiring you this little act oh, yes. like what else what else can i do let me get dr rose book 
Um, you know, and, and my, I wrote my book. It really is my 30 years worth of work and people pay a lot of money to work with me. It's in this book and I want people to take it, use it. I want them to, you know, if you, your grandma and you, you know, you, you're worried about your grandbaby, you know, get it for your, your son and your daughter-in-law, whoever, this is a resource that should be shared for people because it's an eye opener and it gives the power back to the patient and the person who's, whether it's a parent or, or yourself, it gives it back to you and it gives you literally the secrets on how to unlock mental health. Well, definitely. And, and we will, by the way, I will have the description of the, uh, the, the link to the book and all the information so people can certainly, you know, seek it. And, uh, you know, um, is it available online? They can download it's it. It's on Amazon. Go to- you can go okay. to itsgonnabeokay.com um, or you can just go to Amazon and search It's Gonna Be Okay. So, so it will be on the description. So folks, don't worry, you can have access to it quickly. <laughs> but so, so doctor, I do want to go back to, and I know we have a few minutes left, but one of the items you mentioned earlier where, you know, uh, you mentioned about kids from the age of six and up and, and seeing a high, you know, rated of, of all these stuff, anxieties and, and problems, right? But, but, and you said it's probably because of what you, you mentioned something about bubble and, you know, bubble wrapping the kids when they're young. Uh, that's not something that, that existed before. And I, I personally, I mean, I'm, I do consider myself a little old school. <laughs> I, I I grew up in, in a world where it was different for us as children. Yeah. I mean, it was a little stricter. You know, there's more punishment. You know, I mean, you know, I got a little, you know, every now and then I got a little, you know, we're going to keep it at that, <laughs> you know, if I wasn't right. Right. But, right. but, but, you know, it was a different world. And I think, I think last couple decades, I mean, it, it's changed. You, you cannot talk about in this way to the kids. You cannot do this to the kids. You can do. And I think that may have changed the way it is. So people, and to your point, people are like, getting all oh, my kids, I don't want them to, to feel pain. I don't want, they don't allow them to actually really inter- to feel the real thing yeah. and fail. Exactly. And so therefore they, they kind of cover it until they get to a point where, or sometimes when they uh, display some, some behavior, they don't, there's no, uh, ramifications to it and i think that's the other part again that's just my my opinion but but you know what do you say to that i mean uh, is there any um social change that that made that happen because yeah. it wasn't before i mean anybody yeah. that was born in the 60s 70s even 80s uh, and beyond you know yeah. before that would not even have a challenge like that kids grew up and they grew up you know yeah. with less problems i mean kids are not as independent today we we think they are because we're they're they're getting these grades right like we here's the big cultural shift that it, shift that has happened, particularly in the last 15 years. People are using grades as a benchmark for mental health. So they're like, my kid's got a straight A. There's no way they could be depressed or anxious or have suicidal thoughts. That is blown out of the water in this last year. So that's part of it. But the other part of that is that we are not allowing our kids. They're not having unsupervised, you know, social interactions. It's all structured play and um, the academics are pushed earlier. And so kids are not learning about cooperative free play. They're not learning how to work things out with other people. And they're very much used to their, you know, the parents are like, well, my kid, you know, um, uh, needs to have this. My kid can't ha- get upset about this. Oh, honey, you know. And so, you know, little life lessons teach you about how to deal with the big stuff. And so our kids are not getting experiences that show them, you know, w- what does it mean when you are upset? You know, what does it mean when you're anxious? Like, how do you manage it? And instead, we're giving them, they're always looking for somebody else, external, you know, you know, life preservers, which is typically mom or dad or teachers. And so kids just don't know how to tolerate things. You know, we are, we always change in parenting. And really, actually, most parents learn how to parent by how their parents parented them. Um, you know, how, how do I, you know, we know that authoritative parents, parents that are balancing discipline with positivity is the most successful type of kids. Authoritarian, really strict punishment, corporal punishment is associated with much higher rate of behavioral and psychological issues. So that's across, you know, that was from the 60s. So that, you know, kids that get, you know, smacked are not as likely to do well in life. Kids that are disciplined and actually get in trouble and and learn, right? Discipline is about teaching. It's not Mm -hmm. about punishment. 
but we're not giving our kids a chance to really do things. Like I remember like being in the park and my kid would fall and like these parents would run over and I'd be like, he's not crying. Let him be. And I remember this dad being like, what, what, what? And I was like, let him be like, and it was so weird. It was so weird. I remember being like, what is going on? And you know, this is, you know, 15 years ago and, um, and people just didn't want their kids to do anything. And, um, another, another thing, my four-year-old like came out of my, my 10 year old when he was four, he came out of the world, like, like a 50 year old, right? Like he's the kind of kid that was like, mom, don't forget to pack my lunch. Mom, is can you check my homework? Like he's like that kind of kid. And so when he was four, he had one of those balance bikes and we would go to this park that um, there wasn't cars and it was paved. And I had a deal with him that he could ride up ahead of me. And then if he got out of my eyesight, he would go and sit at these locations. And he was never really out of my eyesight. It was like maybe seconds. Mm-hmm. And Time and time again, a mother would come and be like, oh, my God, I'm here by myself. Oh, my God. And so I had to sit him down. I said, Giancarlo, we have to stop this because every time we walk, and he's like, why are those people worried about me? I'm 100% always where I am. And I was like, honey, we're going to have to get back in the stroller because I, you know, it's other people interfering or we just go on the block, you know. And I, I remember thinking when I was a kid, hello. I was four years old. I was off with a pack of middle schoolers and running around in the woods. You know what I mean? So, those. and we're okay. <laughs> my my brother and sister were with me. So I, I think we, we are, and, and maybe that's appropriate. Maybe that's not, I don't know. This is where we are today, but I can tell you we've sw- swung so far the other way that our kids literally the moment the littlest things happen, they are like, Oh my gosh. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? This is not what you said we were going to do. And I don't know how to do this. And they freak out, you know, and I hear, I hear this and I see this, I see this, you know, I, up until two years ago, I was doing a lot of in-person school observations and, you know, I still talk to a lot of teachers and this is one of the biggest things. They don't know how to handle their inability to cope. The good news is we can teach those skills. We can model those skills um, for our kids and we can shift our language so that kids can gain coping skills. Um, so it's really, really important that parents learn how to do that. So that's one of my bonuses when people buy this book, um, they get the coping skills. So if you go to itsgonnabeokay.com, you, you get a bunch of free gifts because I just want, you know, I'm on this mission and people need support and help. And not, and yeah, some people can work with me and other people can't. And But you should have access to the best resources. And that's what I've compiled. Well, doctor, I can tell you, I mean, I, I do want to ask a lot of questions and I know we're coming out to the end of the show right now. So, so it, it, it's, first of all, this hour is so rich with, with, with valuable information. And uh, I mean, really simple concepts that are, that are effective, that are, that have been used and utilized effectively in, you know, uh, the real world uh, by you and, uh, and, and with real cases. Uh, so, you know, you can't get, you know, better than something that's been already tested and tested and tested and, and successful in times. So, so, so uh, listen, I mean, I don't want to, keep you any longer on the, on the call here but but I do want one one thing from you maybe just just a, a piece of advice you know uh, that we can close the show with uh, to the folks listening and watching what would that be just one I would advice. say if you you know um, feel overwhelmed or you're feeling stressed everyone's feeling stressed I don't even care if you're not feeling stressed I do this every day for myself regardless of what's going on Start with something. And for me, it's breath work. And just, you know, you can go to my YouTube channel. I have a 478 breath there. And you just need to breathe and practice it and get your nervous system regulated. You're going to be a much better human being for yourself, but for the people around you. And maybe you need something else. That's okay, too. You just have to actually do it and and think about success in little bites. Don't think about this dramatic overnight change. Um, but when we start doing these changes, it's pretty exciting because you then go, well, what else can I do? What else can I do? What else can I do? So, you know, yes, these are hard times, 
but you have the power to help yourself and you are in control of what you're thinking. And that means you can put a lot of good stuff in there and do a lot of good stuff for you and all the people around you. Well, doctor, with those words of wisdom, <laughs> I want to thank you on behalf of the channel, myself, and all our viewers and listeners. Uh, this has been tremendous you know, uh, value today. And uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, folks, uh, if you're watching and uh, when you watch the show or listen on the radio, uh, you know, uh, this has been a great hour with uh, Dr. Roseanne Kapanahaj. Uh, check her book. Uh, it's going to be okay. Uh, the link will be in the description uh, from me, Hurricane uh, H here. Uh, thank you for watching and listening on the radio. We'll talk soon. Different show, different guest, and different topic. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye.